MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as. In about 15 minutes, we're going to be heading north of the border, and that's where we find Andrew Cayley of Covers. Does a tremendous job taking a look at baseball. Also, when it winds up getting to be that time of year as well, he does a terrific job in terms of the college football scene as well. But we're going to be taking a look at what we've all got on the Monday slate with regards to Major League Baseball with him. Also, just a few trends that we're noticing as well. And then in about 45 minutes as well, that's going to be 8.45 p.m. Pacific time, 11.45 p.m. Eastern Danielle Vari does a great job over here with VSIN with the Los Angeles City cast. She is going to be joining me. We're going to take a look at the Dodgers. We're going to be taking a look at the LA Angels. If time permits, we are going to allow her to vent about how bad the Lakers were this season. So that is going to be a lot of fun as well as Los Angeles. Never a shortage of drama when it comes to their coaches and with regards to their teams in general. So that is going to be absolutely tremendous to take a look there. And here in the first segment... We're going to be taking a look at what I like with regards to my DK Nation pick on the diamond for Monday. And we're going to go right to the top of the board. And the first game on the slate is 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Nola is going to be getting the serve for the Phillies. And Sandy Alcantara is going for Miami. I know that Dave was on this game as well. Right now, we're finding the Miami Marlins right around about a plus 125 in a lot of spots, seeing as low as a plus 115 as this is a game that well, we have seen a lot of steam coming on the Miami Marlins, and in my opinion, rightfully so, as DraftKings wound up opening this up more around a minus 132, a minus 135, and total on this game, it is a 7.5 with a little bit of juice on the over in a lot of spots right around a minus 115, and we've seen this number wind up getting a little bit too steam for my liking. I love the Miami Marlins on the open. As of right now, right around about a plus 125-ish to a plus 127-ish. I think that you still got a little bit of value on the Marlins, but if you're seeing more like a plus 115, I think that the ship is starting to sail there, but I do like this total, which has really not moved, and that would be out in the under. I want to say my total south of seven because Aaron Nola has been having himself a relatively solid season, and if you take a look at his fielding independent compared to his ERA, it indicates that he's gotten a little bit unlucky this year, and among National League qualifying starters, he currently leads the National League in terms of walks per nine rate with 1.2 walks per nine innings, and his whip is right around a 0.86 that's walks and hits per nine innings. He leads National League starters that qualify in both of those categories, and he's going up against a guy in Sandy Alcantara who's been absolutely amazing 
recently. He has made in his last six starts, he's given up three earned runs. I mean, he's given up three runs in his last six starts, and on top of that, he's averaging eight innings per start. He had two complete games in which he wound up going nine innings. Well, actually, one of those was not a complete game because it wound up going to 10 innings. He wound up pitching nine scoreless innings against Washington Nationals. He got a no decision. I mean, you feel for the guy there. But with that said, he wound up pitching nine innings in two games, eight innings in two games, seven innings in two games. So that helps you also be able to mitigate out the bullpen as well because if you've got one concern with the Miami Marlins in terms of an under, it is the fact that this bullpen... Has not been good. Look no further than our good friend Lewis Head, who literally, Mr. Head, wound up entering into the month of June with a 1-1-3 ERA. It is out north of 7. How that winds up happening, I have absolutely no idea, but it's not necessarily so great as the Miami Marlins out of your 30 MLB teams. Currently, they rank 19th in ERA at a 4-10 with regards to their bullpen and, well, the Philadelphia Phillies. They're actually 14th with regards to bullpen ERA, which... It's not terrible. It's not great, but certainly it's been rough for them. And we did wind up seeing the Philadelphia Phillies have to expand a lot of their bullpen on Sunday. But the good news is more of the trustworthy guys like a Brad Hand, Corey Knable. These are guys that are going to be fresh. They're going to be ready to go. I know that one thing that Adam Burke, who does an absolutely amazing job at the network. And if you were watching before I wound up coming on here on Visa, he was doing the show, The Run Line. Something that he always does when he takes a look at full games, and he does a lot of full games, is always taking a look at bullpen availability. And I do think that that's very big because even though you might wind up having like seven arms available for the Philadelphia Phillies, if you wind up having Brad Ann and Corey Knable wind up getting used up, it does you no good to have Christopher Sanchez, James Norwood, guys like that that are available. Meanwhile, if you wind up having Corey Knable, Brad Ann available, but you only have like four arms in a game which is going to be evolving Aaron Nola, you actually feel a little bit better about that. So I always do think that that's something important to take note of, but you do take a look at both of these lineups, and it's been intriguing to take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies because got a lot of guys are hitting sort of in that pocket of 250. JT Riamuto has been there. Alec Bohm has been in there as well, and you're able to throw in there Nick Cassianos as well. You've had Bryce Harper hitting above 300. He's got 15 home runs, and then you've got another man with 15 home runs in Kyle Schwarber. He's Barely hitting above 200, but has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. And for the Miami Marlins, I feel like a lot of people have been surprised by this offense. You've got Garrett Cooper hitting above a three Now, the star bats of this team, guys like Miguel Rojas, you're able to throw in there Ore Soler, even Asu Sanchez. These guys, most of them are hitting about a 220 to a 230. It's not been a great year for Jacob Sellings to this point, but you've had a lot of the more ancillary guys be able to step up. Jazz Chislam has been... A little bit of a, I guess you call it fireball for this team because, I mean, he's got 10 home runs. He's been able to do a solid job, but apparently the clubhouse is not necessarily too happy about him. So that's something that in and of itself is intriguing to take a look at. But certainly the Miami Marlins have been able to get a little per- production there. And I find it very hard to be able to fade Sandy Alcantara, but I needed a little bit north of a plus 125 to be able to take a shot here. I want to make my number plus 128 on the open. You had tremendous value with Miami Marlins. As of right now, that value has started to wane, so I would take a look to see how this winds up moving in the AM because a lot of places opened up the Philadelphia Phillies. Closer to about a minus 150 to a minus 160, I'd be unwilling to lay a minus 135 right now. So if you've yet to bet the money line slash a little bit of a run line, which right now, if you're really feeling bold enough to take it, you're not finding it right around about a plus 150 on the Philadelphia Phillies, if you think that they can win by multiple runs, I need a little bit more than that, personally, to take any sort of a stab there. But 
with that said, if you're looking at money line slash run line, I would encourage you to maybe hold off a little bit more if the seam wise are coming in on the Miami Marlins and you could get the Philadelphia Phillies closer to about a minus 125. Then you got a little bit of value there if you're able to find the Miami Marlins to just wind up having a case of which there's a little bit of buyback on the Philadelphia Phillies after this number just sank like a rock. Then you're able to jump in there. So a little bit more wait and see as of right now. Like I said, like the Miami Marlins on the open end when it comes to the total, my DK Nation pick and the write-up there is going to be on the under. And then we wind up seeing another National League East team have a big streak. And this one is still going. Unlike the Phillies that wound up having their win streak, wind up getting snapped on Sunday. This is going to be 9:03, 9:04 on the betting board. So we're still towards the top of the board as Ian Anderson is going to be taking the bump where the Atlanta Braves are going to be facing off against the Washington Nationals who trot out there, USIA Gray. And right now, Braves are finding themselves anywhere between about a minus 150 to a minus 160 favorite. Right in the pocket of about plus 140 is where you're going to be finding the Washington Nationals. And this is a case which I want to be able to reduce the juice if at all possible. Most places you're finding even money on the run line of the Atlanta Braves. And that's where I'm going to be taking a look at. And I think that it is very important to take a look at just the way that road teams have been performing on the run line as well. Because it is a case in which you do wind up getting those last ups when it comes to road teams. And Covers does a great job of being able to break this down. And Andrew Cayley of Covers, he's going to be joining me in a few minutes to be able to take a look at the baseball slate. But when you take a look at home favorites, thus far this season, they are 338 and 232 straight up. So just on the money line, home favorites have won about 59.5% of the time. Of the 338 wins, 103 for home favorites have been by one run. So that means that even the home favorites are winning 59.3% of the time, they're covering the run line 41.2% of the time. Meanwhile, you take a look at road teams. Road favorites, they're actually hitting at a better rate. They're hitting at 61%, and this is straight up not the run line. 197 and 126 is what they're hitting straight up. Only in 36 of these instances has the road favorite failed to cover the run line. So, Road favorites, they are 161 and 168 on the run line. That is 48.9%. That is a big, giant difference right there. And in a year in which we have been seeing some lower scoring games, it's starting to heat up now, but I do think that that's all the more important. I do think that home favorites might be able to do a little bit better on the run line come the summer months when things wind up getting a little bit more humid when you wind up having an average of, say, eight runs in a game. It's different than when you wind up having an average of seven runs in a game because more runs equals more of an opportunity to be able to win by multiple runs. But I mean, that's just a little bit of a little bit of a way to be able to take a look at that. But when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, you've got an offense that's really starting to match. They do have some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. It's a team that on the road, they've been hitting a little bit north of 230 as a collective, and they've been the best home over team in all of Major League Baseball. But Austin Riley has really been able to get it going with 16 home runs. To the credit of Josiah Gray, who's going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Two runs or fewer given up in each out of his last three games, but he certainly has had his issues giving up the deep ball ever since he wound up getting sent up to the major league level about a year or so ago because he was a part of that trade deadline deal that wound up sending him from Los Angeles to the Washington Nationals. He's been giving up just under two home runs per nine innings, so he has had a little bit of an issue giving up the deep ball. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. You've got Matt Olson, who wound up having a nice home run on Sunday. He's starting to get it going. Batting average and the power is not necessarily been there, but he's been able to get on base. And really, this is an Atlanta Braves team that you've got to take a look at the offense a little bit differently now than even, I would say, about 30 or so days ago because Ronald Acuna Jr. has made such a big impact for this team. He's got an on-base percentage that is well north of a 400. And 
I do think that Ian Anderson going to be able to lock in a little bit more for the Atlanta Braves. He's had a little bit of a struggle this year. He's been posting up an ERA that's hovering right around a 450. And the big thing for Ian Anderson is that his swing and miss stuff just has not been there thus far. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening are this season you always know with ian anderson that he's going to give up a few walks he's been giving up a little bit over three and a half walks for nine innings thus far this season but you take a look at the strikeout numbers a little bit under eight strikeouts for nine innings you need that to be a little bit higher i do think that he's going to be able to improve that against a national team that has been up and down with regards to their offense so i take a look at this spot i look at the braves on the run line and i do like this total under and Another man that I always love to be able to talk shop baseball with, that would be Andrew Cayley of Covers. He is going to be joining me next. Going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting on Monday right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The third major of the golf season is here, and you can get in on the action with Dewar's Major Championship Challenge. Draft in two free to play golf fantasy golf contests. One is a classic one, and one is a four round showdown, and you're able to compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash Dewar's now to play for free as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guest as this man does absolutely tremendous work over there at Covers, does a great job with baseball, and hey, I want him just doing a read for golf, and I know that this guy does a great job of taking a look at that realm as well as we've got Andrew Cayley on the show, and Andrew, always great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you. Always great being aboard with you, buddy. Uh, very excited to talk some baseball with you. I'm excited to talk some baseball as well. And Andrew, I want to mention this a little bit at the top. What have you been making out of these totals having a little bit of reversal? Because as we know, we wound up seeing a whole bunch of unders at the beginning of the season. Over the last 30 days, according to covers, we've seen right around 52.5% of games wind up going over the total. What have you made out of this? Because it has been interesting to look at these offenses really start to heat up as the weather has started to heat up as well. 
I, I like to think that the the juiced balls we've been used to as well have been secretly placed <laughs> back into play as well over the last uh, 30 days or so. But we've talked about this before on your podcast there, Greg. I think through uh, the end of May, or sorry, the end of April, uh, mid-May, the, uh, the overs are sorry, the unders were hitting at about 60%. And then we started seeing these totals which we'd never seen before well we'd seen them before you'd see you were, we were getting these six and a halfs but it was usually you'd only see those when like jacob de was facing off against max scherzer but now they were going in for any old pitching matchup and obviously that was the book's adjustment and uh it's worked because now heading into tomorrow's action we're almost at uh 50 50 for totals for the season uh 51 and a half to uh 51.3 to 48.7 right now uh in favor of the unders but you know we we talk about this every single year takes a little longer for offenses to heat up in baseball particularly with a shortened spring guys are taking fewer or less uh, spring training ab's and it's just easier for a pitcher to get into his groove earlier in the, in the year than it is for hitters. Hitters need major league at bats. And now we're about 60 games into a major league season. And those guys are heating up. And we were seeing some historically low averages for a while there uh, when it came to batting average and OPS league wide. And they, while they're still pretty low, we are seeing a trend towards uh, normality, I would say. Um, so it, it's going to be a little harder to pick our spots going forward. And Andrew. Are you saying that MLB Baseball and Rob Manfred might have secretly done something? Call me shocked right there. I mean, we've never seen, oh, wait a second. It happens like all the time with Rob Manfred. But with that said, at the very least, we should be able to get some relatively solid pitching matchups on Monday. And what I think is going to be intriguing is taking a look at this Reds versus Diamondbacks game because this is a rematch of a game that we wound up seeing right around a week or so ago. Merrill Kelly is going to be taking the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mike Miner, he is going to be going for the Reds. And Mike Miner, well, major disappointment thus far. North of an 8 ERA. It has not been going so well for him. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they open up right around minus 145. Now you're finding them closer to a minus 150 to a minus 155. At minus 145, I felt like the money line was relatively palatable. Now with regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks, it'd be a little bit more run line or wind up taking a look at the underdog personally because I do think that things are starting to get a little bit hiked up with regards to this number. Yeah, for sure. And the Reds, they've been, after that awful 3-22 and to start the season, they've been a reasonably average baseball team since then. And, well, Miner was pretty awful (laughs) the last time out. Yeah, he's coming off an injury, though, so maybe he can get into his groove a little bit more in this matchup. And the Diamondbacks are certainly nothing to write home about offensively. One of the worst offenses in in baseball right now. I wouldn't hate the under in this matchup. I've seen the the line already go from 9.5 to to 9, but I still think I'd side towards the under in that matchup as well. Reds, obviously, while they've been much better hitting at the plate of late there's there's still the red so i i would tend to agree with the underdog in this spot and i'd also take a, a look at the under as well and i'm so glad that you wind up bringing up that you like the under because this game has a pair of splits that i think is just so intriguing because with the arizona diamondbacks they actually lead the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road and with the cincinnati reds they're hitting darn near 270 at home more like a 215 on the road now 
lot of those games were with Joey Votto when he was out there. He was absolutely terrible. And ever since he's come back off the COVID IL, he's bad right around 400 on base. So he's actually been his old self. What do you mind making out of some of those splits? Because both of these splits actually indicate that both of these teams in the opposite with the Reds being at home typically and the Arizona Diamondbacks being on the road. They're better offensively in the opposite role of what they're in in this game. Yeah, so like I said, it's it's just the Reds for the most part, <laughs> and it's the Diamondbacks. These, these are not two teams that uh, I'm going to put a lot of faith in offensively. Merrill Kelly is an underrated pitcher. And Mike Miner, while, like we we mentioned, is is not solid, he is a veteran and he knows how to get batters out still. And the Diamondbacks, like I said, were very very poor offensively at home or at just in general this season. And I, I'll always tend to lean towards taking the good pitching, or at least if it's bad pitching versus bad hitting, I'm still going to lead towards the pitching as opposed to the hitting. <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is one of those cases in which neither, not necessarily great. So, at the very least, we could say that. And when it comes to what we're going to be getting out there in the American League as well, because we've hit upon a few National League teams, I think it's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting out of Lance Lynn. As right now, we're seeing a couple minutes or a couple of games start to cycle in with regards to this White Sox versus Detroit Tigers game. If you're not seeing a line currently at your book, it's because. Many people thought that Johnny Cueto was going to be getting the start, and we are not going to be getting Johnny Cueto. When this wanted coming off the board, White Sox were a lot of places right around a minus 120, minus 125 favorites. Here at Circa, I'm right now seeing Lynn as the listed starter being more around a minus 141. What do you make out of this spot right now? Because I take a look at Lance Lynn, and I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job for the White Sox, but I've always been one that has liked to fade guys in their first start coming off the injured list and taking a look at what Lynn wound up doing in his rehab appearances. Not great. <laughs> and it, it's hopefully for Chicago's sake, he can start putting in some good innings for that team because they, they need something to start turning this season around. It's been quite disappointing at this point. Uh, I really like kind of the Cleveland Guardians at this point in the division at about plus 600. But in this spot particularly, it's it's very intriguing because you make a good point about his first start back, but this is also the Detroit Tigers we're talking about, and they are just really, really bad when it comes to hitting against right-handed pitching, dead last uh, in the American League in both batting average, oh, sorry, in the MLB in both batting average and OPS this year. Um, before this series with the Blue Jays, they had scored 156 runs uh, heading into that series, and they were one of three teams to score less than 200. The other two were the A's and the Pirates, and they were both at like 196 and 191. So th this Tigers offense has been uh, about as bad as they come when it comes to scoring runs. Uh, shut out twice in this series against the Jays. So I don't know. I would probably stay away from this matchup just in general. I'd like to see what uh, Lance Lynn can do in this start. Um, but when he's going up against an offense this bad, maybe he could bounce back a bit. And obviously he was he was quite he pitched quite well last year. And obviously the White Sox are, are very much needing him. Uh, and Tony La Russa needs him to pitch better more than anyone because. He needs those boo birds and those get fired chance to quiet down a little bit. Well, when you wind up walking guys on a one, two count intentionally, you very much deserve those boo birds. And 
to your point on the Detroit Tigers, this isn't even a misprint here. They've got 30 home runs this season. Aaron Judge, <laughs> along with along with Anthony Rizzo, I believe that that duo has either 37 or 38 between the two of them. And right now, they're pretty much chasing Barry Bonds, who had 73 home runs by himself. The Detroit Tigers are on pace for about 83. So, not great. Not good. That is not good to say the least. And Andrew, we've got about a minute left. Is there anything else that you're taking a look at for the Monday board that you're either looking at with regards to a bet or you just want to see a little bit more of that team slash pitcher in general? Uh, well, I'm excited to see my guy Alex Manoa take the mound again tomorrow. He's been a little overlooked uh, for AL Cy Young. You can get him at about plus 800, plus 900, depending on your book. Um, he has, <laughs> hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in a start this year. He gets to go against the Orioles tomorrow. Huge number, so I wouldn't lay the minus 290 or whatever it's looking like tonight. But maybe you can find a prop for him that's like record the win or his outs recorded prop. In his last two starts against the Orioles, he's given up one earned run on five hits, striking out 16 over 13 innings. So that's something uh, I really like there. Um, another uh, prop that I'm looking at really quickly here is uh, Josiah Gray to go over five and a half strikeouts. Love taking strikeout props against the Atlanta Braves. Really swing-happy team there, so over five and a half there. Absolutely, and Andrew, one of the best at taking a look at the game of baseball. Big thanks, Sam, for joining me right here on The Look At And coming up next, we'll take a look at a few other games for Monday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. On VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard, cold hard gas. Join in on the action on the pitch with the 2022 Heineken Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better 21 years and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and... As always, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and a big thanks to Andrew Cayley of Covers who wound up joining me in the last segment. Good to be able to get him aboard on the show. He has joined me quite a bit with regards to my podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. The baseball betting show goes up on the VEASAN Best Bets feed every single day. So it was great to be able to get him aboard today, and it is great that we are starting to see some numbers with regards to totals for the San Diego Padres and Chicago Cubs game. How about if we wind up hitting upon that right about now? As right now, we've got 907-908 with the Padres on the road against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele taking the bump for the Cubs and Hugh Darvish on the mound for the Padres. And the few places that we've seen a total pop, we've got a couple books out here in Las Vegas, including where I'm currently sitting right now at Circa, having a total of an A&F. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and the under is a minus 105. And when it comes to the Padres, going to be finding them between about a minus 125 to a minus 130-ish favorite. And then when it comes to the Padres, you're going to be finding them in a lot of, or the Cubs in a lot of spots, anywhere between about a plus 110 to a plus 120 underdog. And with Darvish, a little bit of an intriguing spot here because with Darvish, he did wind up pitching for the Chicago Cubs a few seasons ago, as we all remembered. He wound up going to the San Diego Padres, and ever since he's gotten to the Padres, he's had some very demonstrative home and road splits. He's been able to post up right around about a three-ish ERA when he's been pitching in San Diego. 
north of a 5 ERA on the road, but he's going up against a guy in Justin Seal that I really just do not wind up trusting in in general. Justin Seal, someone that has been giving up right around 4.5 walks per 9 innings. That is a little bit of an issue. Now, when it comes to his strikeout numbers, those aren't bad. 9 punch outs per 9 innings, but he is someone that he does wind up just giving up a couple too many free passes in general. Has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up just two home runs this season. But I think that that's a little bit of fool's gold because if you take a look at the 20 total games they won pitching last season because he spent half the year as a starter, half the year as a guy coming out of the bullpen, he was giving up more like two home runs per nine innings. So I do think that he's probably better than the two home runs per nine innings they gave up last season. He's probably worse than the 0.4 home runs per nine innings he's given up this season. So being able to take a look at that, I think is important. But when it comes to the San Diego Padres team, I do take a look at this lineup, and I do think that we're going to see a little bit more balance out of them moving forward as Jerickson Profar wound up getting off to a little bit of a rough start to the year. Now he's hitting a little bit closer to a 250. He's been able to give this team a little bit of consistency with regards to being able to get on base. The main concept for this team has been Manny Machado. He's been able to hit above a 300. He's been one of the best players out there in the National League thus far this season, and Eric Cosmer has been able to get on base as well, but been a pottery team that has been dealing with a bunch of injuries, including with regards to Fernando Tatis Jr. He should be on the way relatively soon, but obviously him being out of the fold, that did wind up putting this team in a little bit of an interesting circumstance. And then you do take a look at the flip side for these Chicago Cubs, and it's been a lack of consistency really for them all season long now. They've been able to do a little bit of a better job in terms of their offense at home rather than on the road because you are going to notice that when the wind is blowing out, you're just going to get higher scoring games in Chicago in general. And it's interesting because before coming on the show, so this may have been updated within the last 90 minutes or so, but the way that I was seeing the wind going for Wrigley Field for Monday, and this does wind up changing because obviously, much like us handicappers, due to conditions and what have you, weathermen, they're going to wind up having a little bit of a change with regards to their forecast from time to time as new of information-wise is becoming available, but the way that I was seeing it, wind was going to be blowing out right around 10 miles per hour at the beginning of the game, and then towards the end of the game, it winds up reversing and winds up blowing inward a little bit as well, so we've got some changing wind directions during the game, so I did wind up setting my total a little bit north of 9, so I personally do like an A&F like we're seeing right now at books that do wind up having a total on this game over, but when it comes to this Cubs team, you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team, Ian Happ, North of a 350 on base, Wilson Contreras, Christopher Morrell, the young guy that they brought up as well. So that has been good for the team. But what I do have a little bit of a problem with with regards to Cubs is that you do have quite a few swings and misses with regards to the team. Patrick Wisdom has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. But with that said, he's striking out in over 40% of his at-bats. If he doesn't lead the league in terms of the percentage of his at-bats, then he winds up getting a strikeout in. He is not too far from the top. It has been... A little bit ghastly to take a look at that. Some of the guys towards the bottom of the lineup, like a Frank Schwindel, they just have not been able to take off the way that you'd like them to. And the big trepidation that you've got to have with this with this Cubs team right now is the bullpen as well, because this is a bullpen that it actually started off halfway decent this year, which is the only thing that is keeping them from being the absolute bottom team in terms of the National League, in terms of bullpen ERA right now. They rank 18th out of 30 teams with right around a 418 ERA, but... They're coming off a game on Sunday in which the bullpen wound up giving up 13 runs against the New York Yankees. Guys like Scott Efres, Rowan Wick, 
who are able to do a solid job starting out to the, the year may have really begun to regress. Michael Givens is a veteran that's able to give the team some relatively solid innings, but it's not like the San Diego Padres have necessarily been world beaters either with regards to their bullpen. Their bullpen area hovering right around 10th. You would like them to be a little bit better with that regard, but they have been able to get a couple solid innings. But with that said, what we also wound up seeing out of the San Diego Padres is that they wound up having a double dip on Saturday. That wound up really hurting them, using up a lot of guys in general. Now, they did wind up giving a lot of guys a relative day off on Sunday, so that should be able to help replace a little bit of the depth that was lost due to that doubleheader. Someone like Luis Garcia has been relatively solid for the team. Taylor Rogers, when he's not facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates, has been a trustworthy closer for this bunch. But I do think that you, Darvish, despite the fact that he's got some relatively demonstrative home road splits, going to be able to do a solid job. And I do think that a little bit of regression is doing for Justin Seal with regards to the way that he's allowing the deep ball. So I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 145 here with the San Diego Padres. I do think that you've got some relatively solid value here. And when it comes to the total, I'm willing to take an eight and a half like we're seeing start to trickle in with regards to the betting board. Willing to take that over as well. And we've got a game that in a lot of places is off the board. Circa where I'm currently sitting and doing this show. They wound up just posting a number on this one. Kansas City Royals against the San Francisco Giants. There was a little bit of question mark as to whether or not we were going to be getting this starting pairing or not. And it looks like we are Brady Singer for the Kansas City Royals. And Alex Wood going to be going for the Giants and the Giants. They're finding themselves on the money line, a minus 167. If you look at the run line, you're getting them right around a plus 125. And I have been having my trepidations with laying a run and F with a lot of teams this season. But I was honestly willing to lay a small price with these San Francisco Giants. So being able to get plus money, that does wind up appealing to me. Do want to reduce the juice if at all possible. And it's a Kansas City Royals bunch that they currently own the worst record out there in the big leagues. I mean, the Kansas City Royals have not been world beaters in recent years, but typically you think that that moniker would be going to a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, like the Baltimore Orioles, and while they've been improving, the Kansas City Royals, who have been actually signing players to try to be competitive, it's just went horribly wrong for this organization this season. Now, the offense has been able to pick it up. They've been able to score at least four runs in seven out of their last nine games, so seeing a total of eight, I'd be willing to take a look at it over here because with the San Francisco Giants, even though it is a pitcher-friendly ballpark, in terms of the fly balls not necessarily going out as often, they've been able to do a good job of being able to put up runs in general. They're averaging a little bit over five runs per contest, and we did wind up seeing some newer dimensions with San Francisco and their ballpark take hold a few years ago. This is not something that wound up happening recently this year or anything like that, but you wound up seeing a few years ago things wound up getting tinkered with, and San Francisco has become a little bit more of Inter's ballpark than back when guys like Barry Bonds and Jeff Cannon and company were over there playing there. And I think it used to be like Peck Bell Park or something like that. So we have seen quite a few changes with regards to that ballpark in recent years. It's helped out the hitters a little bit. But on top of that, you just take a look at this Royals bullpen and it will end up getting very much expended in their loss against the Baltimore Orioles on Sunday. And overall for the season, this is a bunch of which they are towards the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, posting up a 480. And for Brady Singer, he wound up getting sent down to the minor leagues a little bit earlier this season, and he had two amazing starts. He wound up pitching seven scoreless innings against both the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins in his last three starts. It has really went sour from a combined 13 runs given up in 15-plus innings. He's been giving up a lot of deep balls in this time span as well, and Alex Wood has been nothing to write home about as well. He's been posting up an ERA has been north of a four, and as a matter of fact, his home ERA is more than a full point higher 
than it is on the road as well. Hasn't necessarily given up the deep ball. Hasn't necessarily been giving up a ton of walks. He's just been giving up a lot of general contact. So with the way that the Royals have been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to generate runs, but have been unable to hold down opponents in general, I do think that this could be a good spot for a relatively solid Giants lineup to be able to get a multiple run win. So being able to get a plus price on that run line, going to be taking a look there. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total over and when it comes to being able to get great content in general. Los Angeles always delivers. And Danielle Avari, she our Los Angeles City cast. She is going to be joining me next right here on VSIN, Esports Bang Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here for just $39. You get everything that VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com and subscribers have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily best bet MLB bets. You've got John Von Tobel. He's got you covered all the way through the NBA Finals on the hardwood. And Andy McNeil, he's got you covered with regards to the Stanley Cup Final. We'll also have lots of NFL preseason coverage and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you are wanting the full VEASAN experience, which includes a just plethora of things, point spread weekly, daily best bet emails, our betting tools, video streaming, it's all just for $39. Be a subscriber from now through July 31st. That's at VEASAN.com slash summer to be able to sign up as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by the host of the Los Angeles City. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Danielle Avari, she does a great job over there on the West Coast holding it down. And Danielle, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thanks for the invite. Great to be able to have you aboard. And you know what? We've got to get you aboard to talk about the dysfunction that we are currently seeing in the land of angels as the LA Angels. They have lost now yeah. 16 out of their last 18 games. They can draw men. I mean, I think that we could do an entire show in and of itself just on this Angels 
what we've seen in general, but what have you really noticed with regards to this team that has caused everything to go straight down the toilet bowl? Because three weeks ago, this was a team that was 10 games above 500. Now they're finding themselves in competition with like the Seattle Mariners to avoid the seller out there in the American League West. Well, let me ask you, do you think that the Joe Madden firing was what they needed at this time? Do you think that he was the issue with this team? I think the issue was ownership and them not ever getting a bullpen. Yeah, so that you spell it out there. I mean, obviously, they've struggled with pitching in the past. This is not a new problem for the Angels. We can go years back with this, and the bullpen is the same situation. Um, I know we've seen some bullpen regression, too. Adam Burke and I have talked about this a lot on the Los Angeles CityCast, uh, but the Angels are just so hard to bet for that exact reason. How do you have two MVP candidates on your team, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and then all of a sudden, Mike Trout, who looked like he was heating up, he was hitting really well, all of a sudden is going 0 for 3 in games. Uh, So it's really, really hard to bet this team, unless... You're going to bet overs with them at this point is the only way that I can really bet them. But uh, to your exact point, it does seem like it's ownership. The Joe Madden firing seemed unnecessary, at least at this point in the season. And I know we were talking about, what, a 12-game losing streak at that point. I think it got to 14 eventually. They get to 14. Uh, it did get to 14. So that's that's a franchise record, as I'm sure you know. So, yes, there was no... It didn't seem like a a very good stretch of games to them, obviously, but was that Joe Madden's fault? And also, it was funny hearing him talk about it after because he said that he was actually kind of relieved, or I think he said that he felt like there was a weight off him in some way. Um, And if your person that you're letting go is not really angry, then I actually think that's a red flag that maybe you shouldn't have let them go. Also, he said that he wants to continue to manage. Um, And he did say that they had a rough bump of games because of a lot of different things. They had injuries and other things that were in play as well. And you can say that for pretty much any team. But um, it's tough to blame it all on him. And it was just a really weird timing of it all, I think. Yep. And on top of that, it apparently wound up coming to light on Sunday Night Baseball that Joe Men had actually gotten a mohawk to try to bust the team out of the losing streak. And before anyone could see it, he wound up getting canned. So he wound up getting a mohawk for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Just for that alone, hopefully they wind up paying off the rest of his contract because that's just a sad and unfortunate situation. And and Usually to, you get the haircut after the breakup, so that's interesting. But Yeah. Apparently you wanted Pat Benegu literally hours before you wanted getting blindsided by it, so you really feel for the guy there. And I know that we talked about this on my MOB podcast about a week or so ago as well. Gaging the LA Dodgers has been fascinating as well. They wind up dropping the last two over there mm-hmm. with the San Francisco Giants, and we wound up seeing Clayton Kershaw come back. He wound up, in my opinion, being way too high of a favorite in that game. He wound up closing at minus $2 in his first start coming out of the yeah. injured list. That's something that you really don't want to be rolling the dice on. But when it comes to this Dodgers team, I've actually been very impressed by the way that they've been pitching on the road. But at home, they've been a little bit more inconsistent. What have you really made about this Dodgers team being by far the best pitching team on the road, but at home being relatively average? Well, we talked about this the other day, actually. I believe it was on um, your baseball betting podcast. And I was surprised to hear that there was such a large discrepancy because there's not really a reason that I can see for that. Um, other than also the the Dodgers offense has been kind of a head scratcher in general. So that's definitely been co- contributing to some losing, losing some of these games. And we saw that in the Giants game today, really. I mean, they're stranding so many people on base that how can you possibly win like that? You can tell that Dave Roberts is frustrated with them and he's mentioned it. He's been like, this team is too talented to not 
be getting these games done, especially against the lesser opponents. You're getting swept by the Pirates, and then, okay, no big deal. It was the Pirates. Maybe that's a fluke. But then you're having issues against the Giants, who, again, a good team, but you're starting to get worried about these things because these are the games they're supposed to get up for. And uh, as Dave Roberts pointed out, he kind of alluded to the fact that he thought there were some personal interest in their own careers perhaps and there's a little bit of disjointedness on the team they're not really playing together they're not really playing to win so you hope that the Dodgers sort this out because to his point they are too talented to not be winning every time and that's why you're seeing things like Kershaw at like minus 250 uh, in these odds they're almost unbettable unless you take them on the run line yep I totally agree with you there and with the Dodgers whenever they've been a big favorite fading them has been very profitable on shorter lines they've actually been able to a much better job as well as actually as a north of a minus $2 favorite. They have went 18 and 12 in their last 30 times there. So if you want to mm. betting against it, even though it doesn't sound like you'd be able to make money hitting just 12 out of 30 bets. I mean, when you're getting north of $2, that is very, very profitable right there. And Danielle, what I know you do a best job of profiting with is the WNBA. And it's interesting to see what we've all been able to get this season because We've got, in my opinion, just more star power in more markets than ever before. We're not going to have any games for Monday. I know that things wind up getting gassed back up on Tuesday. But what have you really noticed with regards to the WNBA and just betting trends in general? Because things have really been able to heat up. And it's been interesting to take a look at these totals because I've been noticing that they've been a little bit higher this year than in past years. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is I was just talking to another handicapper the other day about this, and we were basically saying any of the teams that have the bottom six, let's say, of the 12 teams in the WNBA, bottom six defense, even if their offense is not that good, you can almost always bet overs on these games, especially if you're sitting at a number under 160 or so. A lot of these games are going over the 155s, 157, 159s, just because the defenses are so poor and the offensive talent is increasing. So whenever there's a really low defense, I love to go in on an over. Uh, which is funny because I actually hate betting overs, but overs have been the play in the WNBA this year. So definitely increasing on offense, except for one team, the Mystics in second quarters specifically. So this is a little odd, but overall in the league, second quarter unders right after a first quarter over hits are 22 and 14. So they tighten it up in that second quarter, but the Mystics in particular, second quarter overall unders 12 and one. 12 and one to the under in second quarter. So the Mystics defense is the defense that I count on the most in the WNBA right now. I love betting their full game overs as well. If you don't like to get into quarter betting, but as you know, I'm a big fan of live betting, um, but Mystics second quarter unders have been where it is at. And where it has been at as well with regards to an against the spread standpoint, right here on lovely Las Vegas, the aces who we know that they've been able to build a really good roster in the last few years. They're now nine and four against the spread. Is this something mm-hmm. that could wind up being a mainstay until we wind up seeing a rather big adjustment? Because I take a look at the talent that the Aces have been able to acquire, getting back Kelsey Plum, really big for them. And they just have been a complete another bulldozer thus far this season. Right. And we talk about Becky Hammond, obviously, coming in, who actually just got inducted to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame over the weekend. So huge accomplishment for her. But we forget about that, I think. Like, the Phoenix Mercury have really fallen off in a lot of ways. And obviously, they're still missing Brittany Griner, who's overseas, um, being detained illegally right now. But... 
Beyond that, Sandy Brondello, their head coach, was sent to the New York Liberty this year. That's where she ended up. So they're working with a new coach now. And I think people are undervaluing the impact these coaches have, especially one like Becky Hammond. She's come in, and not only do they have these incredible pieces, they have this incredible coach. I actually got to go to my first WNBA game live on Saturday. I got to see the Sparks and the Aces at Crypto.com Arena. And it was interesting seeing the benches because the Aces bench, when Becky Hammond is talking, no one else is talking. They're all intently looking. It's all very calm over there. And then on the Sparks side of things, you have lots of finger pointing, lots of yelling. Neka Ogumike is trying to talk over people. They just fired their head coach last week. So that's just very disjointed. So you can just see in the league, the teams that are really working really well together, very cohesive. Now, people do worry about the Aces depth, of course, because uh, they did have an injury. Jackie Young, one of their starters, who's been incredible, a top 10 team uh, to player in the league, really. But she'll be back hopefully shortly. And the Aces have shown that they can win without her. So I don't think that there's anything stopping this Aces team at this point. And with the Aces, I believe that they've scored something like 83-plus points in each out of yeah. something like their last 10 games. They well, have been... all, five, all five starters are scoring in double digits, and four of them are shooting above 45% from the field. Yeah, that's so. pretty darn good right there. So <laughs> that'll help you out with regards to overs and being able to cover the spread. And someone that's been covering a little bit of everything, doing a great job out there in the city of Los Angeles, is you, Danielle. It's always great to be able to get you aboard. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. It's always great to be able to talk with Danielle and great that the WNBA is getting into full swing as well because as we know, playoffs are going to be winding down relatively soon in the NBA and the NHL. So good to know that there's another market to be able to profit in and a market that I like profiting in is baseball. So we're going to take a look at Monday's slate next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.